What companies deserve your hard-earned dollar? Which would you want to work for? How can you know if they share your values? Just ask us. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks who really means business in supporting workers, customers, communities, the environment, and shareholders. We measure progress, track success, and help them be better. When you see the Just Capital seal, you know what's real because just business is better business. Visit justcapital.com to learn who makes your dollar count. Welcome to 716 Together, a Western New York Audio Town Hall presentation of Cumulus Media Buffalo, designed to inform, inspire, and empower our community on issues that affect us all. Welcome to our show. I'm your host, Tammy Lee Demler, and joining me today, a long time ago, Julie was on our show. It was about over a year. Julie Garland, who is a care services coordinator with the Upstate New York chapter of the ALS Association. We're going to talk about what ALS is. Because I think, Julie, still people don't really understand it. We sometimes see a, you know, a celebrity has it or somebody we know remotely might have died from this. But people are living with this illness. And, and it seems to be that it's, you know, it seems to be like it's a little more manageable. I, I don't know if that's true or if, if prognosis are getting better. Or tell us a little bit about the disease, what the circumstances are right now in 2023. I can't believe we're in this new year. Right. Yeah, neither can I. Neither can I. <laughs> Again. Um, well, you know, I, I can give you a little just overview about what ALS is. We have talked before, and unfortunately, not a whole lot has has changed. There's certainly progress being made in treatments, but um, um, not enough, not as much as we right. ALS is a neurodegenerative um, disease that is progressive and is um, terminal in all cases. There is no cure for ALS. Um, it's a disease that paralyzes the uh, voluntary muscles progressively throughout the body. So it can um, paralyze legs, arms, um, diaphragm, uh, rob folks of their ability to speak, to swallow, things like that, um, any combination of such in people. So um, terrible, terrible disease. Um, most people that are diagnosed are uh, around midlife, you know, in the fifties is pretty average for age of diagnosis. However, we've seen people as young as 19 and as old as, um, 89, you know, everywhere in between. So you know, everything, um, uh, there's the averages and then there's what really happens, right? Um, generally speaking from the time of diagnosis, life expectancy is about two to five years. Um, there are, uh, some cases are familial where it does run in families and there's genes that have been identified, um, you know, in those cases, that's about 10% of the cases, but about 90% of the time it's just sporadic. And to date, here we are in 2023 and no one knows what is causing it, where it came from, you know, and, and why it happens in these folks, um, what is the percentage of, what's the statistics? You know, like for example, schizophrenia is one out of a hundred people. We know that's pretty rock solid. You know, we may see groups of people congregating together in different areas where the percentage seems higher, but what is the flat across the board rate of of this illness? And is it global all the same? It's, it's pretty, pretty steady uh, globally. There really aren't any... Um any spikes in any particular areas. I don't know percentage offhand, but I do know in the United States at, at any given time, approximately 30 to 30, 30 to 33,000 people are diagnosed um, or are living with the disease, I should say, at any time. So really a relatively small number. Um, 
unless it's you, unless it's you or somebody you know. Right. And it's, you know, one of those things that when it does happen to you, it feels like it's everywhere, you know, you, you see it everywhere. So, um, yeah, there is a much higher, um, higher prevalence of diagnosis among veterans. Um, uh, high level athletes seem to be, you know, more prevalently diagnosed, but veterans, particularly you're about 50%, um, Mm. more likely to be diagnosed just by being a veteran, the VA does take very good care of its vets um, with ALS. It is a hundred percent service-connected illness. Tell me if you could, you know, people are listening and now you've got everybody's attention because there's really no, nobody has a specific target on them. It's like anybody could be susceptible to this. What are some of the signs or symptoms? What would make somebody even say, oh my gosh, maybe I have ALS or is that something that people don't question and they just get diagnosed with it? Yeah, really, um, I've never heard of anyone that sort of the people that 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 might jump down that road or so. And maybe if you've known someone or you work in the field, you know, you you sort of have it in your mindset. But most people don't start with that. Um, it's actually a very long diagnosis process since there's no bio- biomarkers for this disease. It's really a ruling out of everything else. So, you know, some common things that we hear people starting with are they're tripping, they have drop foot, things like that. Um, Maybe some weakness or tingling in their fingers or their hands. If it's starting there, it can start in different areas. So those would be your limb onset cases where it would start in your legs and and, um, legs or um, arms or hands. And those are the most common things that we hear. The ball bar onset, which is a little bit less prevalent, is where it would start in your um, like speaking and breathing area. We hear people that um, will start with just some um, slow or slurred speech, uh, some difficulty swallowing, things like that. So those are some of the more common ways that we hear of, um, of the disease first presenting itself. And then oftentimes it takes up to a year, sometimes more to even get to the diagnosis, just because, like I said, there's no biomarkers for the disease. So it's kind of ruling out everything else that could be going on. So which takes uh, a long time. I mean, we've all been there where we have something that's sort of weird and it takes a long time just to come up with what that could have been. And usually it's usually at the end of the day, it's something that is solvable or resolvable, but this not the case. Yeah. So yeah, just, it just adds to the just heartbreak and devastation that this disease brings um, because it's just to go through all that testing and, you know, put yourself through that and, um, you know, all that time just to come up with an answer. And then this is not an answer that anyone wants. Now, this is also known as in the past Lou Gehrig's disease. Mm -hmm. He was from what I remember, he's a, 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 sports hero, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So why did the name kind of migrate off of that onto ALS? Whereas I think having a prominent celebrity Mm -hmm. kind of brings attention to the cause and everybody's like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, Lou Gehrig's. They may not have remembered him or had any Mm -hmm. memory of what his diagnosis was, Mm -hmm. but what was the the mindset there and and like moving away from a, a specific person? Yeah, my, my best guess on that, and I don't know, but even when I started on this job 10 years ago, it really was more commonly just known, you know, just in the general population as Lou Gehrig's disease. Mm-hmm. ALS was, of course, always what it was called. And soon after I started this job is when the ice bucket challenge happened. Oh, yes. Um, the <laughs> disease became known to the mass population to in a level that it really wasn't before. So, um 
my uneducated, just, um, you know, anecdotal reasoning is really that that's why that people were just more aware of it and more aware of what it was. I felt a real difference just from my first couple months, um, you know, interviewing and starting the job till after that happened, just in the way people talked to me about it or understood a little bit more about what I do or who I work with more so than before that happened. So it seems that that's when people just became more, um, um, aware, more aware and more likely to use the, the, the term it stands for, uh, amyotropic lateral sclerosis. So I was no just going to say, but easier for you to say that, right? So ALS sure. is much easier, but it's an acronym. It really stands for that very mm -hmm. detailed disease specifically right. uh, as a neurodegenerative disease. Mm -hmm. And on your website, I'm looking, you've got some um, YouTube videos, you've got navigating through it, it, you know, a diagnosis or with a loved one. And what I think is an important point, and, and oftentimes I think we may say, who's listening to us, you know, on a Sunday morning about this, you know, kind of sad topic, but an important one. Mm -hmm. People will say to me, you know what I, what I was listening to you talk about was not relevant to me, but not a month or two later, did I have a friend that needed this information and I was able to send them right to the organization. And I can't thank you enough for having that conversation. And so, you know, he, kudos to you for being able to be here with us all this early morning Sunday and on demand thereafter forever, I would guess, uh, to be able to have people refer back and listen to that, you know, what, what we should do. Because really, you know, you know, you've described the warning signs, perhaps, or the things to look out for. And once diagnosis is made, then people are, what now? So tell us what, how your organization is there to help support people through. What is it that, you know, they can, what can they gain after that diagnosis, that devastating diagnosis? Yeah, yeah, we are here. I'm here. Um, I, I work in the eight counties of Western New York with all the patients in this area that are diagnosed. We are a nonprofit. Um, so we offer a number of services, you know, most, our most important, what we feel is our most important uh, and based on feedback is just the support that we provide. So myself and the other coordinators and staff, you know, throughout our region are just there to answer questions, point folks in the right direction, sit down and help with some planning and prioritizing about what What's next? Um, what steps should be taken? And, you know, just to kind of give them that help they need as they're kind of living in this whirlwind of this devastating diagnosis. So we do a lot of that. Um, but we have some more concrete things that we offer. We do have a couple support groups that we offer for folks. Um, we offer a support group just for caregivers only uh, for folks caring for people mm -hmm. with ALS. Um, I offer a support group um, locally for people with ALS and their caregivers both, um, you know, just to get some support again, just to um, talk to others in the community in both cases, people going through the same thing, get some ideas and some support. Um, we offer a couple financial grants to help reimburse costs for caregiving and other costs associated with ALS. It's a very expensive disease, as you can imagine, with the uh, um, equipment and help and things like that, that, that need to come into play. So um, one of our grants can help reimburse things like that, home modifications, equipment co-pays things. Um, we also have an equipment loan closet. So if people need um, medical equipment that's not covered by their insurance or, you know, out of reach, something they need maybe for a short term, we do have um, loan closets that we uh, have equipment available to loan out to folks who are registered with us and they can use it as long as they need. That's a really good thing to know, because as you mentioned, the cost of the disease, not only, you know, re rehabbing your existing living space so that 
that there can be some functionality, but you're also dealing with probably loss of it, of your employment because you're not able to get to work or to be able to be you know productive in that in that area unless it's not a very physical you know physical thing. But still, at some point in time, you're not going to be able to have the same ability to speak, communicate, and then you know you, probably with that diagnosis, you'd want to just be with your family and your friends and your loved ones. With that said the caregiver burden, you, br- you bring that up to, you know, an excellent point. We always talk about the patient. Of course, our first focus is on the person who has that disease, but wow, the caregivers who are, you know, inside just saddened by the watching their loved one become more functionally incapacitated mm-hmm. and just knowing that the diagnosis and the course is not, you know, positive at all at any point is it you know mm-hmm. curative so um caregivers out there who may be dealing with um with this that that's a great way of being able to support now are you doing in person or hybrid remote because i know a lot of people with covid we were joking a little with covid things have changed but sometimes not all for the worst mm-hmm. so this 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 allows a lot of access that's more realistic for people do you offer re- remote interactions Currently, our our support groups are all still being held over Zoom. We have not returned to in-person. So our caregiver support group has always and will always be over Zoom because that's a group that covers our 48 county service area. So clearly that one wouldn't be in person. And that's always worked well. Um, Our peer support groups that are held regionally, the one that I held that hold that includes um, people with ALS is currently being held over Zoom. We made the switch, of course during COVID from in-person to Zoom. Um, We have not yet resumed in-person. There's some tentative plans to do so, but like you said, there's also benefits to holding them over Zoom. It's, um, you know, maybe some patients that that do have difficulty getting Mm -hmm. out tired at the end of the night, things like that are um, a little more able to join on Zoom as well as folks, you know, in our um, further reaching counties, you know, you have a winter like we're having, it's not easy for (laughs) It's not all bad. No, to get into our support group. So (laughs) right now they're all being held over Zoom. um, And, you know, we shall see what happens with the with the regional groups down the road. More of 716 Together coming up in just a moment. Get an inside look at Hollywood with Michael Rosenbaum. Let's get inside of my buddy, Kamal Nanjiani. When you talk about Eternals and it wasn't the response that you were hoping, how did that affect you? Marvel thought that we'd be going on a wave of raves, you know, and it wasn't true. The reviews were really bad. And you were aware of it while you were on tour? Yeah, I was too aware of it. And so very intentionally, I did start counseling. Emily says that I do have trauma from it. Inside of you with Michael Rosenbaum. Wherever you listen. Welcome back to 716 Together, a weekly forum to inform, inspire, and empower Western New York. Now, how are you funded to do what you do? And with that said, I know that we can help as a community, but first of all, tell me how you guys get the the funds to do all these good things. Mm -hmm. It's donations. There are so many, so many generous people and generous generous families and generous community members. So our major fundraisers raisers are our walks. So um, each summer and early fall for our chapter, we hold four different walks in Buffalo, Syracuse, Rochester, and Binghamton. And those are our four biggest fundraisers that are sponsored and planned um, by us as an organization. And they um, fund most of our um, most of our programs in our year. Um, and then, you know, that in, t- in addition to just so many generous folks who um, 
donate to us in memories of loved ones. We have a, so many families that um, hold fundraisers on our behalf, um, you know, are grateful for what, you know, what's what we've been able to offer to them and their loved ones. And, um, you know, and also just in memory of the person they love. So we have mm-hmm. people that hold golf tournaments and meat raffles and people that have done can collections, whatever the case may be, and, you know, send the funds over our way. So really just a lot of generous people in our community. And I'm I'm sure you would say, and you would agree, no gift is too small. And I, I, I think that people hesitate to even just send $5. So they think that's so inadequate, but when you have 10 people sending $5, that's $50. And that's really something with that said, you all can have like a dress down at work day or, you know, something where, you know, people could just, I I just think there's a lot we can do in small levels that don't, they don't have to be huge because a lot of people, have a lot of different charities they like to give to. And I just know the hesitation to have a gift feel like it's too small. I've, I've talked myself out of that. I, now I just, wherever I can, whenever I can, whatever you can at that time is helpful and beneficial. Is, are you, do you take donations? I know you said you have this equipment closet. I know a lot of people perhaps have a loved one who passed away and they have these pieces of equipment they can't use. Uh, Do you accept donations of that type? We do. That's our, our closets are built on donated equipment. Um, you know, those type there's, um, again, some things that need to go along with that. There's things we can and can't take. And, you know, we certainly have capacities on how many of any given number we can take. So there are limits on it. Okay. But best to call, people can call you or check on site on your website. Give us that contact information. We'll do it again at the end as well. Yep. Yep. Um, the best best thing for folks in Western New York is just to contact me directly for anything. Uh, my phone number is 716-860-1947. And that's a cell number. Texting is great. Calling is great. You know, however they want to get in touch with me. My email is jgarland at alsaupstateny.org. Um, it's a mouthful, but they can find you. <laughs> they can find me. Um, and also through our website, my contact information and our main contact um, office information is on our website. And that's um, ALSA Upstate NY. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, before, before we go, we'll do it again, just in case somebody missed that out. Mm-hmm. Um, you had mentioned that there was some, maybe some positive movement in, in research or treatment or anything. There's a little good news. There's good news. We, um, you know, that, that we always have hope and there's a lot of research going on and there's a lot of um, movement forward. It's not fast enough for any of us and certainly not for our patients and families, but there is movement forward. Um, again, when I started um, uh, just under 10 years ago, there was one um, drug available for folks with ALS that was said to slow down the progression a little bit. Um there have since been two more treatments introduced, one a couple of years ago, and then one just in the past couple months that's been introduced. Um, they all do the same thing that nothing um, can reverse the symptoms or stop it, but they um, are thought to slow slow down the progression a little bit, you know, give people some more time. Mm-hmm. So certainly not the cure and not what we are looking for, but all good things. And um you know, in, in just that short short amount of time to have two new drugs introduced. That's great. Um, in that short amount of time is very encouraging. And we know that there's so much work being done, you know, for to um, offer more and more to these folks. Well, as soon as you get a breakthrough drug, you got to get call me up and we'll talk about it because I'll be so excited for you. 
as will we. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. So we'll we'll yeah. keep our hope and prayers and, and donations mm-hmm. coming. There are on your website it's, it's things that people can do to get involved. So maybe, you know, mm-hmm. money money is not what a person can possibly do, but mm-hmm. you have events and volunteering. Do you want to talk about ev- mm-hmm. like volunteering? Is it just through the walks or other ways? Uh, mainly just through the walks here locally. That is the one event that we, you know, that we count on um, pre-COVID. We did um, sort of plan and anticipate a couple other, you know, smaller events throughout the year that unfortunately couldn't happen. And we haven't gotten back to that that yet. So that will remain to be seen that there may be more opportunities down the road. But currently, really, our walks are, you know, the, the main area where folks, especially here in this area where we don't have a brick and mortar, brick and mortar office um, in this area, that would really be a great way for folks to help out. We have folks that help out with the planning, you know, before the walk, that help the day of the walk, that deliver things, that, you know, help with sponsorship, um, different ways for folks to get involved in that. And we really do spend most of the year, you know, planning, oh, planning it. And people around Western New York love walks. It's just right. every organization has a walk and they have their own unique time and uh, like chiseled out. Everybody just does everybody's walk. And it's right. just such a great uh, Buffalo right. community and, and people doing that. Can people form teams and, you know, can they kind of spirit it up with t-shirts and all that? I, I think oh, that's yeah. part of the excitement, right? Yep. Yep. They do all that. We try and make it really just an uplifting and, you know, best we can, um, respectful and uplifting day. There's music and, you know, people bring picnics and, you know, uh, we have children's events, face painting, things like that for the kids, balloons. And yeah, folks can come out on their own and just check it out and, and register or walk on their own. Um, and then we also have folks that that form teams of all different sizes and, you know, and levels of fundraising. And a lot of them do get involved with, you know, making the signs and the t-shirts and all that. So, you know, any, again, like you said, with the donations, there's nothing too small in any level in the, of involvement with the walks. Right you know, it is great too. Yeah. I think I was meant to be an event planner in my heart. I mm-hmm. love like planning, strategizing. So I've got to ask, so do you have, like, when you have the walks, do you end up having like a speaker that talks about ALS? Do you kind of use that as a way to teach the community or is it really kind of just a walk or do you try to have awareness because you have so many people there that are like sponges, right? You can have them be ambassadors yeah. of ALS and really spread the word about, you know, myths and misconceptions. Yeah, yeah, we do. We do some of that, you know, we try again and keep it more, you know, a little more personal, a little more inspirational. So we each year we do um, recognize one of our um, people with ALS sort of as our walk ambassador. And then we do ask them or, you know, if it's difficult for them or they can't speak a member of their family to speak on their behalf, it's always the most um, moving and lovely part of our presentation. Um, So they'll just kind of talk about their experience and, you know, what this walk means to them, what, you know, what, um, what the experience has been like Mm -hmm. for them relate to that. And, you know, and then some of us from the chapter will certainly have a few words. We try and keep it, you know, somewhat somewhat brief informative yeah. but you know, really just just a little more personal the most important part of that and the speeches really is our um our our people with ALS and their families who give of their time to us as service ambassador and tell their okay. stories that's that's what we're doing it for and that's that's the best part of the day are you ready for hard-hitting observations reality remains reality no matter how hard you try to ignore it the Ben Shapiro show brings you all the news you need to know in America today Again, I'm all here for the pop culture, people dating each other for the press. Ben breaks down the culture and never gives an inch. 
Every so often, and by every so often, I mean literally every 27 seconds when the producer gets fired. The Ben Shapiro Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. I think that's part of why people are drawn to the walks is not only just the camaraderie, the, you know, feeling like you're doing something, but mm-hmm. to learn a little bit more about something that maybe they don't know a whole bunch about, or, or, you know, maybe they're too afraid to ask, you know, mm-hmm. it's, you know, a friend has it or whatever, and they don't want to ask them. This is where they can really, you know, kind of dive down and learn more about the truth. So that's awesome. I'm seeing also that you've got a podcast and a blog. Is that still, is that still up and active or are those links that I shouldn't click on? <laughs> yeah. Those I'm I'm thinking the links you're they're not us they're not necessarily us doing that I'm, I'm okay thinking because I don't have the website up we um we have several links to um um different blog that that different folks different organizations or different okay. national um tools for folks so I'm thinking that maybe just separate that maybe what you're looking at yeah yeah but it's a great website and i think mm-hmm. all of you would be well to you know if you have any interest in this area to really get on on the website because even just like navigating als life changes and it's not just necessarily talking about you as a person if you have this illness but somebody that you love or know um coping for caregivers military veterans financial mm-hmm. information and under, unfortunately we all we all have to think of end of life plans. If you're a living person, you will end have a life that ends and you have to plan for it. And I hate this conversation. My mom always tries to have it and she's, you know, you're going to be regretful if we don't have the conversation. Okay. So let's every year death and taxes, we'll talk about it once and then we'll move on. But people need to have those plans. And and do you help have the conversation? Do you help facilitate that conversation? Cause it is so difficult. I do. It's something it's, it's, it's a hard like you said, a hard conversation to have and so important. And I do, um, a lot of folks ask about it and some folks that don't, you know, if, if I see a gap, certainly something that I bring up and, and talk with folks about, I'm able to refer them to someone that can help with all of that. If they need, if they need help with the, um, you know, the paperwork and things that they would need to have in place, but it's very important. And I have that conversation quite regularly with, um, you know, with our families, yeah. just to explain the different types of, of documents that are out there and why it's important to have them and, um, you know, how it protects the the choices and the wishes of the patient. And really, um, easier isn't really the right word to no, use. No, it's maybe never good. on the rest of the family. It eases, mm-hmm. maybe eases the minds of the rest of the family, you know, that, that the patient's wishes are known. And there's no question in, you know, the, the different um, ways they would want to go about things at the end of life. So very and, important. I can't make that conversation any easier. But one thing I think that would be helpful I, in some cases would be like, we're all going to be there. So maybe we all do our paperwork, no matter yeah. how young you are, because things happen. Life, unfortunately, doesn't isn't a path as we might expect it. And having paperwork done really makes sense. So um you know, everybody should really be thinking responsibly. My mom has talked me into that responsible thinking. And I, you know, and I guess I do feel better about it, you know, regardless of, you know, what illnesses or whatever are in our family. It's just, you need to be thinking about that. Mm -hmm. Now is, is ALS, is it a hospice eligible Mm -hmm. illness? So, you know, at some point in time, you know, hospice can start to integrate into that because hospice is great. I hate to say it has such a bad rap because people think it's just all about death, but it's really about living. It's about maximizing that time 
um, that you have with your loved ones? And at what point do they get involved, like with the ALS um, organization? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, every patient is different. So, you know, it depends on their willing and readiness to have that conversation. Um, We refer to hospice all the time. They're a wonderful, wonderful organization and um, just support our families and our patients so well, you know, during sometimes for quite some time, like you said, it's not, um, we do sort of um, try and destigmatize that sense yeah. that you know, once we say the word hospice, it it's is, over. Yeah, they're, you know, they, they really provide so much um, support for as long as the patient needs mm-hmm. it, you know, they're nearing the end of life. So, you know, it's different for every family, but we, um, given the circumstances of our families, when there is interest, yeah. where we really recognize, you know, a need for some additional support, we do those referrals all the time and encourage folks to have that meeting early um, to educate themselves and right. know what is out there when the time has come, when the time comes, you know, that helps. And then between the patient, their doctor, um, hospice staff, they can assess for readiness, you know, to, to enroll in the program and take advantage of all of those services. Perfect. Thank you so much. We're out of time. I hate it. It goes so fast when I'm with you. And it's, again, we won't wait. We won't wait a whole year to do this yeah. again. We'll get, we'll get it all ramped up for your walk time. But with that said, can you just give us one last time a telephone number website and then we'll uh, let you go? Yeah, sounds good. My telephone number is 716-860-1947. And our website is, um, you can go to ALS, ALSAUpstateNY.org. Perfect. Thank you so much. And thank you all for tuning in today. We'll see you next time. Take care. Be well. Thanks for listening to 716 Together. Listen for new shows on the air every Sunday morning at 6 and on-demand podcasts posted weekly. This has been a presentation of Cumulus Media Buffalo. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Title Transference aired October 27, 2004. Director James Marshall, writers Todd Slavkin, Darren Swimmer. I really like this episode, and I'm surprised that you don't like it as much as you thought you did. I actually respect your opinion more than I respect my own in general. (laughs) (laughs) When you say things are good and I check them out, they are. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.